contentment, discovering spiritual contentment. Uh, I just want to go down through these verses tonight. It's going to, this Psalm show us something. So let's look at it. Psalms 32, Psalms 32. I hope you have your Bibles. Psalms 32. Let's begin at verse number one. It says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in, in whose spirit there is no guile. Verse three, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Verse 6, for this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters, they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. First 10, many sorrows shall be to the wicked. He that trusts in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. And then be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy. All ye that are upright in heart. I want you to keep your Bibles open. I know I read a lot. I read all 11 verses. But there's so much good, rich food in those 11 verses that I want to deal with here tonight when we talk about discovering spiritual contentment. Spiritual contentment. Let me ask you a question. Have you noticed that it seems as though that... Nobody seems to be satisfied in, anymore. Everyone wants more than what they already have. Um, if they could just get a better car, a larger house, more money in the bank, more this, more that, then they would be happy. Yet when they achieve some of their goals and attain some of those things that they are after, they are still discontented dissatisfied, and oftentimes disappointed. And so there are there, there is always something more that it seems that they must have. It seems like we live in a day when contentment is elusive and happiness is evasive. There was an old country song, and the words was, looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for love in too many faces. I don't think none of y'all know that country song. And so the problem that we face, the problem that we face in seeking genuine contentment is this. And here's something that we have to understand, that contentment will never be found in the physical and the material. 
because the more we get, the more we want. And so real contentment cannot be, be figured in dollars. Real contentment is spiritual in nature. You might want to write that down. Real contentment is spiritual in nature. You see, the quest for more in the material world is uh, merely a symptom of spiritual poverty. I'm going to say that again. I don't want you to miss it. The quest for more in the material world is merely a symptom of spiritual poverty. And so if we would be truly satisfied and content, it must begin with contentment in the heart. That's where contentment starts. So when spiritual contentment is achieved, it will produce genuine contentment in the other areas of our lives as well. And so the psalm that I've read here uh, tonight is all about this matter of spiritual contentment. Because one thing I've discovered, once you are contented spiritually, everything else will fall in place. And so if, if perchance, if perchance you are discontented with your life, that you are not pleased with where you are in your life, then this psalm have a word for you. (laughs) This psalm have a word for you, okay? And so I like for us to look look at these words of David, amen, that's presented here tonight. And I want to, let's talk about discovering spiritual contentment. And so let's dig into the text. Let's dig into the deck, into the text. Now, Pastor, I want y'all to know something. I'm not going to be deep tonight. We're not going to be deep. Okay, I'm not going to try to be no theologian. Okay, I could get deep with this text, but I want to keep this very simple. Amen. Because I think sometimes we read certain things and there's certain words that we hear uh, that, that oftentimes, you know, we don't really understand. We know what people tell us that they mean. But I really want us to see this text here tonight. Okay, I really want us to see. um, I want us to see. And so tonight we're going to discover or we're going to go as far as we possibly can. I'm not going to rush. Okay, (laughs) we'll go as far as we can. We're going to be dealing with out of this uh, 30 second psalm, the possibility of spiritual contentment. And then we're going to also deal with the path to spiritual contentment. And then last but not least, we'll deal with the privileges of spiritual contentment. So we're going to deal with the possibility, the path, and the privileges. I'm going to give you time to write that down. But now we need a little background on this Psalms. Let me give you a little background because Psalms 32 was written by David after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba and uh, had her husband Uriah put to death. Now, you can read about that story in 2 Samuel, the 11th chapter. And so David committed these sins and tried unsuccessfully to cover them up. Uh, He was confronted by the prophet Nathan, and then he made a full confession. Now, you'll see the confession of, 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 of David in the 12th chapter of the book 
of Second Samuel. So he makes a full confession. Now, during this time, David also wrote Psalm 51. Okay, so you all know, Lord, have mercy upon me according to thy loving kindness, according to that, you know, wash me, cleanse me, purge me with the hips, blot out all my transgressions. So it was during this time that he also wrote Psalm 51. And so there, David, in Psalms 51, he makes a full confession of his sins and he requests forgiveness. And so he also promises that he will teach other sinners the way of the Lord. So once he got delivered, once he got set free, uh, he made a vow, amen, that he would teach other sinners uh, the way of the Lord. And so Psalms 32 uh, seems to be David's fulfillment of that promise. You have to understand, David, David was a great singer, all right? He was a great uh, king. He was a great saint, I don't want y'all to miss that. But he was also a great sinner. Now, I want y'all, don't get deep on me. I said he was a great singer. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was a great king. He was a great saint. And then he was a great sinner. Okay, he has, so, so he has something to teach us about sin and how to deal with it properly. Okay, because uh, 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 David wanted to show us that in order for us to be uh, uh, contented spiritually, then we must remove all sin out of our lives. All right. So, so far, y'all got that so far. <laughs> All right. And so let's look at this. Let's look at this. I want to deal with uh, spiritual contentment defined, spiritual contentment defined. But before we go into the depth of that, I don't want us to miss. I don't want us to miss what 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 David is saying throughout this entire book, because in the first in the first two verses, the first two verses, verse one and two, uh, uh, David uses four different words to describe our failures. All right, four four different words. And I want you to write those words down, and I'm also give you the definition of these words, okay, as well. So the first one we see, we see transgressions. Now, when you look at that word transgressions, that word transgressions is just simply wrongdoings, um, indiscretions, okay? And it also does mean sins. And, and, And so the word means to... It means to step over a boundary. Step over a boundary. It means to it means to cross a line. That's what transgressions mean. Okay, and so basically, uh, it speaks of open rebellion against the clear commands of the Lord. Open rebellion against the commands of the Lord. It 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 pictures. Sin as defiance, the rebelliousness, disobedience, and so uh, uh, David. David he talks about transgressions. Then, if you look also in verse one, he talks about sin. Now, sometimes we try to get deep when it comes to this word sin, and we try to get deep when it comes to sin because, as I oftentimes tell you all that, sometimes you know we just 
in our minds, we have what we call known sins. Okay? Uh, smoke, drink, fornicate, commit adultery, curse, lie, swear. You know, oh, he's a sinner. But when you really look at that word sin, uh, 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 the word sin just simply means missing the mark. It carries the idea of missing the mark. Uh, 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 when you really do research on it, it, it speaks of a bent or crooked arrow that cannot fly straight. Okay. So in other words, it pictures sin as a defect. There's a deficiency. There's a weakness. There's an imperfection. How many of y'all know, how many of y'all know the Bible said we all have sinned and come what short of the glory of God. I believe it's somewhere in the book of first John where it talks about if a man said he have not sinned, then he is a he is a liar. Okay. We all at some time, even in our saved lives, I'm gonna speak for all of us, because I can, even in our saved life, we have missed the mark. We don't always hit the mark. Sin is missing the mark. You may not lie, you may not fornicate, you may not commit adultery, but you miss the mark in other areas. And so therefore, when we miss the mark, that's simply sin. Okay, so so I'm not I'm not speaking to folk that already been glorified, as I always say, going to heaven and come back and don't do nothing wrong because you don't do certain things. Sin is missing the mark. Okay. And and how many of you all uh, uh, would confess and you don't have to confess here that oftentimes we miss the mark, period, point blank. We miss the mark. Sin is missing the mark. Then also, when you look at verse number two, there's a word in there that he talks about. He mentions he mentions iniquity. Now, there's a reason he used these different words. Okay? Sin is missing the mark. Iniquity or, or immorality, injustice, evil. Okay, I'm just giving y'all some, 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 helping us out. Corruption, dishonesty. <laughs> okay, all of that is iniquity. And, and so this word also, this word also uh, means uh, bent or crooked. It means bent or crooked. It brings to mind something that is warped or distorted. And so this 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 word iniquity refers to our very nature, the nature of man. Okay, which is warped and distorted. And guess what? It's bent towards evil. I'm gonna tell you, your nature is bent towards evil. Don't matter how saved you are. No matter how much you fast, no matter how much you pray, I need us to get this understanding. Our nature, our flesh is bent towards evil. 
I'm going to tell y'all, you may not want to agree with me, but it's easier for us to do evil than it is to do good. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Paul had that same problem. He had that same situation. Why? Because there's constantly a war going on in our members. And so our human nature is bent towards evil. And I keep on telling you, when God saved you, he didn't save your flesh. Okay, he didn't save your flesh. We have not forgot how. You ain't forgot how to fight. You ain't forgot how to curse. You haven't forgot how to have bad attitude. Come on. And so iniquity speaks of our human nature that's warped and distorted and is bent towards evil. All right. Then he uses in verse number two, the word gal. That word gal just simply means deceitful. Okay, It refers to that which is dishonest and deceptive. So, so the picture of sin is, is deception. It's fraud. It's, it's cheating. The devil always paints a better picture of sin than what it really is. Okay, and so and so, Scripture says, "What be not uh, deceived? God is what not mock. Whatever a man soweth, let me see your lips moving, so I know you know that Scripture. Whatever a man what soweth, that shall he also." reapeth. All right. And and so David tells us that while all these terrible aspects of sin are a part of our lives, he's letting us know that they can be taken care of. (laughs) He said, don't become hopeless. He said, they can be taken care of. And getting them dealt with before the Lord, watch this, is the key to spiritual contentment, all right? Dealing with our sins is the key to spiritual contentment. Some of y'all thought if you gave you more gifts in the spirit, you'd be contented. No. You thought if you spoke in more tongues or had more revelations. No. All right? The key to Spiritual contentment is dealing with our sins. Now, notice what he says about each one of our spiritual problems. Okay, and I call them spiritual problems. When you deal with transgression, when you deal with sin, when you deal with iniquity, and when you deal uh, with guile. Notice what he says. He brings hope to us. Before some of y'all get the attitude that pastor said you weren't saved. Is that nothing to do with you not being saved? All right. I'm trying to help us find some spiritual contentment. Notice what he says, though. In verse one, he says transgressions can be forgiven. <laughs> they can be forgiven. Now, 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 now when you look at that, <laughs> it means to lift up. It means to bear away. So in other words, 
our defiance can be removed. Okay? Our transgressions can be forgiven. Then in verse 1, he says something. Sin can be covered. Uh-oh. Now, I don't want you to get a misunderstanding. This ain't him telling us to go cover our sins. <laughs> okay, so don't, don't, don't run with that. Don't run with that scripture because you're going to have to miss. You're going to interpret it wrong. Now, now, the word covered means to conceal. It means, watch this, to put out of sight. That's what the Lord does when he forgives us. Mm. He conceals. He, he puts them out of sight. You know the scripture, he cast our sins into a sea of forgetfulness. Watch this, to remember them no more. He conceals, he, he puts them out of his sight. My God. And so he's telling, he's telling us that our defect can be covered. Our sins will be so thoroughly covered that even God don't see them. Y'all ain't going to help me here. <laughs> now, isn't it amazing how people try to bring stuff back up? Huh? Come on here. Hey, Y'all leave people alone. People ain't going to never forget what you've done. I don't think they have the capability of forgetting <laughs> what you've done. What's important is that God takes our sins and he casts them into a sea to remember them no more. So why don't entertain other people. If they want to watch your movie over and over again, that's their business. <laughs> Oh, y'all ain't gonna have it. If they want to keep going through your photo album, that's their business. That has nothing to do with you. You, if you're going to be spiritually contented, you're gonna have to make up in your mind and you're gonna have to believe scripture. My sins have been covered. Okay? They've been thrown into a sea of forgetfulness. Now, 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 aren't you glad you don't have to answer? Because some of y'all it's deep. I'm, almost, I'm glad he covered mine. Y'all ain't going to talk back here to me. <laughs> I'm glad. Brother Chris, I'm glad he covered mine. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, Lord. And you know what I say? Keep them covered. Y'all ain't going to help me here. Y'all ain't going to help me here. So you watch all these folk. You watch all these folk who, 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 uh, when I get to that later, want to tell off on themselves and tell all their business. And, 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 and there's a difference in being transparent Okay, and knowing that your sins have been covered. If God covered your sin, why are you blabbing about them? He covered them. He forgave you from them. You don't have to keep bringing it up again and again and again and again. You don't have to convince nobody. Okay, because He covered. Let me move on because I know we're not going to get through tonight. But I'm 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 not in no hurry because I want to deal with this. And so then you look at then you look at ooh, glory. In verse 2, iniquity may not be imputed. All right? It may not be imputed. I want you to write it down. 
In other words, it may not be charged. <laughs> he dropped the charges. There you go. I think that's Shirley Caesar. It, 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 can't nobody give you a citation on it. it, it it's done. All right. Uh, 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 it's a debt. It refers to a debt that is not reckoned. In other words, it's a debt that's not even considered. Wouldn't you like if you owe somebody some money? Come on here, somebody. If you if, if, if the credit card company, every one of your credit card companies wrote you a letter and said, we're not going to even consider this debt. Y'all be testifying on Sunday. But we can't get nobody to testify that they saved, but they'll testify that their debt is not considered. Listen, our sin debt, my God, there's now no condemnation. Those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit of God. And so our iniquities can't even be imputed to us, can't even be considered. And so our spiritual distortion and bankruptcy will not be held over our heads. You know, folk hold stuff over people's head. But you ought to tell them the goose is dead. I ain't going to tell you that story tonight. You done already heard it. Some of y'all heard it. But the goose is dead. He saw you when you killed the goose. Why are you allowing people to hold stuff over your head? If God don't hold it over your head, you shouldn't allow nobody else to hold it over your head. Because as long as you allow it, you will not experience spiritual contentment. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care where you've been. I don't care who you've been with. How long you was there. Once your sins have been forgiven, all right, then it can't be held over your hand. Imputed not iniquity. My God. So forgiveness of sin, watch this, it clears our record. It clears the record. My God. That is, there will be no sin listed against us when we are forgiven. Okay. This is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. Then look what he says. Our heart can be free from God. Our heart can be free from uh, 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 deception. All right. In other words, it means our heart can be free from all spiritual deception. And we can be open and honest before the Lord. If there's anybody we ought to be open and honest with, guess who it should be? The Lord. <laughs> because he knows your uprising. He knows your down setting. He knows when you go out. He knows when you come back in. Okay? And so what is then, what is then, what is then true spiritual contentment? Y'all just bear me. True spiritual contentment is defined as a heart that is clean, <laughs> forgiven and honest before the Lord. And so David had experienced the depth of sin and the heights of the grace of God. So he is telling us that spiritual contentment is found in spiritual cleansing. Mm. Y'all wasn't expecting this tonight, but that's okay. It's found in spiritual 
cleansing. And you know what, my brothers and sisters, if we could ever grasp that truth, I believe it would change our perspective on happiness and contentment in life. If we just ever grasp that one truth, it would change how we feel when it comes to happiness and contentment in life. If we could just learn to accept the fact that we have been cleansed and forgiven by God, and that our spiritual bankruptcy has been dealt with, and that God has washed away every stain, <laughs> I think we might be able to achieve genuine contentment and peace of heart. Even in the midst of everything that's going on around us, we can have spiritual contentment and we can have peace of heart. Read what the Bible says about it. I'm going to give you some scriptures to write down because see, time, 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 time won't allow me to deal with all this. Y'all can see that Psalms 103 verse 12. First John 1 and 7. I got to turn to that one. Y'all keep writing. First John 1 and 7. I like that one. <laughs> First John 1 and 7. Listen as you write. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But I like verse number 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. My God, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. First John 1 and 7, write down Ephesians 1 and 6. Also write down Colossians, the second chapter, verses 13 and 14. All right. Because if, if you are saved and in a right relationship with the Lord, your sins are gone forever. Don't, 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 I don't want the devil to trick you. All right. I don't want you to be spiritually deceived. Okay. Because, because he's letting us know. He's letting us know here tonight, just within those uh, 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 two verses, uh, the possibility of spiritual contentment. That means it's possible. It's possible. All right? And so if you save, understand that it's, 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 your sins are gone. Your sins are gone forever. Well, look at Brother David. My God. Look at the spiritual contentment declared. Look at it being declared. No wonder David declares that a person in this condition is blessed. He declares that a person is blessed. That word blessed means they are happy. It refers to a state of contentment in the spiritual realm. Uh-oh. In the spiritual realm. That's what he's dealing with. He, 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 he's not dealing with nothing else there. Because true, con true contentment is not going to be found in houses, 
land, money, or possession. Because the more you have, the more you want. If you get a 2019 car, you want a 2021. Come on. If you have $1,000, you want $5,000. You guys know I'm telling you guys the truth. Okay? It, it, contentment can't be found. Those things get old, especially when the payment, when it's time for the payment. Okay? It gets old. First payment, you're happy. Second payment, you're happy. Third payment, you're saying, oh, my God, what did I do? Fourth payment, you're trying to figure out how to give it back. Y'all, Come on here. Because it can't be found in material things. But true contentment is only going to be found in knowing that your sins and all of their defilement, their ugliness and the judgment associated with them is gone forever. That's where you ought to find contentment. Contentment comes when a soul is right with God. That's when it comes. A lot of people think they're contented. They are not contented. Some folk are spiritually bankrupt because they think, oh, you read a scripture every now and then, this, that, and the other. No, spiritual contentment comes when you know, all right, that your soul is right with the Lord, all right? And so, and so that's the uh, probability, that's the possibility, all right? of spiritual contentment. Well, let's move on. I hope y'all right. Let's look at the path to spiritual contentment. The path. Now, when you look at the path, it involves two things. Verses three through four, it involves the step of chastisement. Uh Uh-oh. And then in verse five, it involves the step of confession. The step of chastisement and the step of confession. Now, now I think I think we would all agree that David's ideal of what contentment is is right on target. Okay. I think I think I get us to agree. Now he tells us how this kind of contentment comes about. And the process David experienced will hold true for all those who want to possess the same kind of contentment. So he says, it involves the step of chastisement. When David sinned with Bathsheba, as I said earlier, he tried to cover up that sin. And you know what? He succeeded for about a year. And I know, my God, some people knew about it, but most folks didn't. (laughs) And while David lived with unconfessed sin in his life, he was a different man. How many of you all know? How many of you all know sin makes you a different person? Somebody, somebody, let me see your lip moves. Say, teach, pastor. It makes you a different person. Look at David with unconfessed sin. The soldier had lost his strength. The singer had lost his song. The saint has had lost his satisfaction. Now notice what I said. He lost his strength. He lost his song. He lost his 
satisfaction. Don't get satisfaction mixed up with salvation. He lost his satisfaction. My God. His his world was literally turned upside down as God brought chastisement into David's life to confront his sin. David sacrificed peace, joy, contentment on the altar of selfishness and sin. He paid a high price for low living. (laughs) Man, that's a good sermon title. A high price for low living. And listen, if you are a child of God, we need to learn this truth. There is no joy in sin for the saint of God. It's fun, (laughs) but there's no joy. Y'all ain't got to come on. I'm not going to tell you sin is not fun. I'll be telling you a lie. But there's no joy in it, not not for the saint of God. And when a saved individual allows sin to take root in his or her life, did you all know that the Lord speaks to that person? All right. If you don't believe me, that that, that the Lord speaks to us. The, the, The Lord is constantly speaking to us. He speaks in more than three ways, but I'm going to show you three ways in which the Lord speaks to us. First, he will speak to us through his spirit. Write down St. John 16 and 13. Then secondly, he will speak with more force as he uses chastisement to draw us back home. That's an oh, 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 oh. So a lot of times we think that what's happening in our lives is the devil, and sometimes it can be the chastisement of the Almighty God. Mm-mm-mm. And that's why I tell you all, all the time stop blaming everything on the devil. You ought to have discernment to know when it's the devil and when it's God trying to get our attention. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And so he uses chastisement to draw us back home. Write down Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verses 6 through 12. Study that, study that. Hebrews 12, 6 through the 12th verse. And write down Revelations, the third chapter, verse number 19. And then, my God, watch this. He speaks through his spirit. Then he'll bring chastisement. And then when he still can't get our attention, he will allow us to feel an early grave. Lord have mercy, Jesus. Write down 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verse number five. Listen what Paul says and read that whole chapter. But Paul in verse number five says, to deliver such and one unto Satan for destruction of the flesh. Watch it. That the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Yeah, it's right there. Sometimes he'll, he will allow. Come on, somebody. He'll cause us to check out of here early <laughs> just so that the soul and the spirit might be saved. Ooh, somebody say, oh, Lord. Lord, I don't want to check out early. Okay? I'd rather hear your spirit. Okay? I'd rather hear your spirit. I'd rather handle the chastisement portion of it. I know that sounds scary, but in one sense, it, it's a great blessing. Okay? If you can sin without concern, in other words, without fear or uneasement or, or, or without worry, without anxiety, without conviction, without chastisement, then, then I, I, I'm sorry, you simply not saved. Uh-oh. I said it. You simply not saved. That'll be some kind of conviction. That'll be some kind of conviction when you have a bad attitude. That'll be some kind of conviction when you have a jealous spirit. Hello, here's somebody. There should be some kind of conviction. And watch this. If you sin and God speaks to your heart, calling you home, that is proof of your salvation. That means his spirit is still striving with you. His spirit is still striving. Now, you know, scripture says that there's a scripture that says that God says, my spirit will not strive with men always. So when you get that inkling that, that you've done wrong, when you're done wrong and you feel that conviction and it keep you up at night, you're tossing and you're turning. Come on, you ought to say, God, I thank you. And repent of that thing. Confess that thing to the Lord. Because he's faithful and he's just. All right, to forgive us of all unrighteousness. And so one of the surest indication of salvation is the fact that, watch this, you cannot get away with sin. That's the surest fact about salvation. It ain't how much you jump and shout and speak in tongue. No, whole lot of folks speaking in tongue ain't saved. One of the surest indications of salvation is the fact that you cannot get away with sin. Sinful thoughts, words, and deeds are immediately met with resistance from the spirit of God. I'm gonna, let me say it again. That's what happens. Evil thoughts, hmm. evil words, evil deeds are immediately met with resistance from the spirit of God. Write down Galatians 5, 17. There's always a war that's going on. Paul said, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Okay, they're contrary. Your flesh, let me tell y'all something, my God. If your flesh is in agreement with your spirit, I'm wrong. <laughs> Because your spirit has been regenerated. It's been, you've been born again. So it's always a conflict between the flesh. Come on. All right, let me, let, let me simplify it. Let me make it real simple. There's a conflict in the flesh in the fact that it gets dark at five o'clock. My flesh said, I'm tired. It felt like it was midnight. My flesh said, it's time to go to bed. Lord, I shouldn't have had Bible study tonight because my flesh says, are, are, are y'all following me? 
is in conflict with my spirit. My spirit was saying, oh, there's a word that's going to be shared. It's a good word because it's the word of God. Anytime it's the word of God, it's a good word. Period. That's what my spirit was saying. But my flesh was saying, it feels like midnight. I'm tired. So there's always something going on. Some of y'all flesh is working. You have trouble staying up. That's your flesh. You want to feed your spirit, but some of y'all doing like this. But you want to feed your spirit. That's where it comes in at. That, that's what it's talking about. <laughs> okay? That's what it's talking about. And so the child of God will discover that he cannot get away with anything. However, if we constantly ignore the still small voice of God as he draws us back into a right relationship, we will cause our heart to become hard. Okay, and it will be easier to go deeper into sin. When your heart gets hard, it's easier. You, 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 you get I don't care spirit. <laughs> Come on. Write down First Timothy 4 and 2. Okay. But I'm going to tell you, tell us this. When we harden our hearts, it will always cause us to face the hand of God in chastisement. See, I know he's a loving God. I know he's a faithful God. I know he's a merciful God, but he's a chastising God too. You discipline your children because you love them. and You want them to do what's right. God is no different. Okay, God is no different. He don't do it. He don't, he doesn't do it to break us. He does it to make us. And then in verse number five, it involves the step of confession. Remember the steps of confession. Step of confession. When David was confronted with his sin, he came totally clean with the Lord. He just, he just threw his hands up and he just came clean. David opened his heart to the Lord in transparent honesty. He held back nothing. Do you guys know we can't hide nothing from God? Come on here, somebody. We can't hide nothing from God. So don't, don't try to approach God like you good. There's nothing good in us. Like God owe you something because you pay your tithes and you, 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 you teach or you preach or you sing. Or, so God, you owe me something. God don't owe us nothing. So David opened his heart. He was transparent. He was honest. And, and, and so this is the secret to getting clean before the Lord. And this is the first step in achieving spiritual contentment. I never seen a lot of so many people disturbed in their spirit. <laughs> yeah. I didn't say you weren't saved, but if you're going to be saved, be spiritually contented. Don't be saved and miserable. Hello, here's somebody. I'm not encouraging you to just say forget it. I'm encouraging you to come clean and enjoy spiritual contentment. Okay. Our first thought when, when we sin is to try to hide it and cover it up like David did. This does nothing but invite the judgment of God on our lives. 
Okay. So you see, God already knows. He already knows what we've done. <laughs> Can't hide nothing from him. He already knows what we've done. He knows the secrets of our heart. Did you hear what I said? The secrets. What's in our heart? We don't even know. Oh. It's the secret. He but he knows what we don't even know. He knows what we're gonna think before we even think it. He knows where we're gonna go before we even set up the appointment to go. So we can't help but to be transparent before him. Okay? And so he knows. He saw the thought form in our minds. He 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 watched the body as it carried out the deed. He he witnessed all the attempts to hide it and cover it up. He sees all. Write down Proverbs 15 and 3. Also Hebrews 4 and 13. Hallelujah. What is this? So therefore hiding sin is not the answer. Confessing sin is. The Bible is clear. There are some precious promises given to those who will be open and honest before the Lord regarding their sin, their transgressions, and their iniquities. I got to help us on something. I got to help us. I got to help us on a passage of scripture that so many people misinterpret. I mean, I got to help us. When you look at James, the fifth chapter, verse number six, where it says, confess your faults. Now, if you look at a different translation of that, like a different translation, it'll say, confess your sins. Now, understand something. The Bible is not contradiction. There's no contradiction in the word of God. All faults are not sins. Uh-oh. Just like Paul said, lay aside every weight and sin that so easily beset us. They become hindrances to us. All right, so, so, Pastor, what are you saying? So, 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 what I'm saying is when you confess, what it means when it says confess your sins one to another, that don't mean, that don't mean for uh, 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 Brother Chris to call Brother Moody and tell Brother Moody everything he's done in life. <laughs> That's not what that means. Now, that means, however, watch this. If, 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 if Brother Chris has uh, offended Brother Moody, Okay, then he needs to confess that. That's what that means. Okay, confess your faults one to another. Some of y'all think that. Some of y'all think that. Oh, I just tell everybody all my sins I've done in this life. No, first of all, the Bible—that ain't even wise to do that because some folk can't handle what you've done in this life. Some people don't understand it was your past. Come on, how many of y'all know your past? And what you've been forgiven of can hinder somebody else. I'm not saying it's your fault. I'm not saying God holds you against it. But people have problems with understanding what past means. All of us have a past. Come on here, somebody. Don't look deep. You're looking too deep, those that I can see. I can't see that many, but you're looking deep even on the telephone. God, give me vision. <laughs> yeah, we all have a past. 
But God has taken that. He's covered that. Put that in seal of forgiveness to remember it no more. So how dare you all allow somebody else's past to hold it against them? You can't do it. All that I remember when, that might be a fault that you have. Uh-oh. Maybe you, maybe you ought to stop remembering when and start remembering now. That now is the time. <laughs> all right, so I wanted to make that plain. Okay, I wanted to put that in there. Okay, because faults are not always sins. Now, there can be a time where faults are sins. Faults are not always sin. So if we're going to obtain true spiritual contentment, then we must learn to heed the voice of God as he draws us to himself. And we must learn to deal honestly with our sins, our transgressions and our iniquities before him in humble, humble confession and repentance. So, we, so when you go before God, don't go before God like he owe you anything. Okay? That's how we become spiritually content. All right. We're almost done. Let's move on now swiftly. I'm going to put this up. You all can write this down. <laughs> Study it. Here's the privileges of spiritual contentment. In verses 6 and 7, we have the privilege of divine protection. Okay? Those who walk with the Lord enjoy him as a place of refuge and safety. When we are in close fellowship with God, we will turn to him in a time of trouble and temptation and find that he has all the resources we need to escape the danger at hand. Because he has made a way for us to escape. And the Bible says with the temptation, he's made a way for us to escape. So we have his protection. And in verse seven is the, is, is the privilege of divine preservation. In other words, troubles and trials will come as we pass through this life. However, the saint of God who walks with the Lord will find that they are preserved through them all. God's preserving us during this election and all the chaos that's in this world. Don't fret. Don't worry. God is preserving us. What you're nervous about, what you feel with anxiety about, he's preserving us. Okay, The saints of God are not exempt from trouble, but we are kept in our trouble. We are strengthened by our trouble. And events that would destroy the wicked man will only serve to demonstrate God's grace to the holy man. So trouble stopped David's family all the days of his life. Still, he was preserved through them all. Verse 8 and 9, we have the privilege of, of proximity. Okay, God speaks at this point. In other words, he promises to give David guidance and direction in his life. And he also warns David of stubbornness and disobedience. God tells David that he will guide his, that he would guide him with his eyes. This implies extreme closeness with the eyes. God could give David a warning look. Any of your parents ever, mama, uh, my mother, all she had to do was look at me sometimes, be sitting in church cutting up. She just looked, she never opened her mouth. We made eye contact and guess what? I already knew what that meant. That meant you in trouble when you get home. It was that eye contact where the eyes of the Lord is in every place. 
Beholding the good and the evil, his eyes on the sparrow. I know he watches over me. And so God would give David a look, a warning look. And then he would give him a warming, a warming look. And then he'll give him a welcoming look. Yeah. What a closeness this picture it has. All right. Now, watch this. Is it like a husband and wife? They, you know, husband and wife can become so close or they can be married so long until the, their look speaks value. They ain't got to open their mouth. Just the way they, you look at them, they know, uh-uh. You, you know, uh-oh, she ain't happy just because of a look, okay? And so he, he he's always there with us. And then in verse 10, we have the privilege of divine peace. Divine peace. My God. Yeah, they give an analogy, says that, that, that the rebellious man is like a man surrounded by a swarm, swarm of angry wasps. Everywhere the uh, wicked man turns, he gets stung, no matter what he does. But the righteous man, on the other hand, is like a man surrounded by a swarm of honeybees that are busy making honey for him. He'll prosper in all of his ways. So I said, whatever you do it shall prosper. Come on. Remember last week, you're going to be like a tree. What? Planted by the rivers of waters. All right. And so the image is very clear. But those who refuse to walk in the ways of the Lord will have sorrows. And those who submit to him and walk with God shall have joy, peace, and full of blessings. And then and last but not least, he had the privilege of divine praise. Those who walk with the Lord in purity have a reason for praise. You have a reason to praise him. The saints of God are saved and secured in their relationship with God. And if they are walking with him, they are also sanctified and clean. And they enjoy the best this world has to offer. We're not telling you you can't have nothing. Okay? And then they have hope in the next world as well. They are literally compassed about with songs of deliverance. <laughs> In other words, those who know the Lord have every reason to lift up their voices and shout for joy. I shout for joy because I know the Lord. Okay, everything may not be going the way I want it to go physically. But what? I love the Lord. And because I love the Lord, guess what? I can rejoice in the God of my salvation. And that's 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 that, that's what David is telling us. He's telling us we can be content, but we must find spiritual contentment. So if you lack contentment and peace of heart today, there's one or two things that could possibly be true. First, you've never been saved. <laughs> Y'all wasn't looking for that. <laughs> Come on here. And there can be no, no, no true spiritual contentment until there is first a relationship with God. No amount of money, possession, pleasure will ever fill the empty place in your heart. You need to be saved. Then you can experience true contentment and peace. Or secondly, you are saved, but there is sin in your life. You are saved, but there's sin in your life. 
you know whether or not this is true or not. If it is, there's but one thing that we can do. We must get before the Lord, confess it, and forsake it. You got to confess and forsake. And if you do that, he will restore your contentment and your joy. Okay? Your contentment and your joy. Maybe, maybe, maybe you say, maybe you're a Christian and, and you are more concerned with things than you are with the Lord. More concerned with things. What can I keep buying? What can I possess? Maybe you're more concerned with things than you are with the Lord. This is a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for disaster. But we come to him and allow him to take first place in our life and in our heart. He'll give us spiritual contentment. Can I close with this story? They said once it was a rich man and we're done. Rich man was walking along the docks and he was disturbed to find a fisherman sitting lazily beside his boat. Why aren't you out there fishing, he asked. Because I've caught enough fish for today, said the fisherman. Why don't you catch more fish than you need, the rich man asked. He said, what would I do with them? You could earn more money, said the rich man. You could buy a better boat so you could go deeper and catch more fish. You could purchase nylon nets, catch even more fish, and make more money. Some you have, soon you would have a fleet of boats and be rich like me. The fisherman asked. The guy said, then what would I do? He said, you could sit down and enjoy life, said the rich man. What do you think I'm doing now? The fisherman replied (laughs) as he looked calmly out at the sea. That same man, he had learned a valuable lesson. He had learned how to be content. He didn't need a business. He didn't need a fleet of boats. He didn't need a yacht. He didn't need to fish more. He learned how to be content and to enjoy sitting by the same seashore as the rich man did. Let's be content, spiritually content. And the only way to be spiritually content is we have to know that our sins have been forgiven. We have to stay with God, confess our sins, confess our faults one to another. If you know that, that, that you've offended somebody, somebody offended you, or you got something against somebody, you're supposed to confess that fault to that individual. All right? And then the Lord then, he'll forgive us. And so we're just grateful and we're thankful for all that the Lord has done. Now, God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your tender mercy. Thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for your written word. Thank you for your spoken word. You have declared that your word would not go forth void, but you would accomplish what you set out for it to accomplish. Help us, God. Help us to find real spiritual contentment. 
by confessing our sins and turning from our sins, leaning and depending on you, allowing you to take first place in our lives, knowing that there's nobody greater. We thank you and we praise you, God, for these who are on. You know every need under the sound of my voice. God, I pray for those who are experiencing sickness today, tonight. Touch them in the name of Jesus. God, we know that you are a healer. The world don't believe it. And that healing is the children's bread. God, heal now in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray that you will continue to strengthen us, that you build us up where we're torn down, strengthen us where we're weak, in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.